Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome, everyone, to the new 1001 Sherlock Holmes Stories podcast. Here you'll find a collection of Sherlock Holmes adventures, as well as the best of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's stories. Some from our archives at 1001 Classic Short Stories and 1001 Stories for the Road, and some newly produced, all here for your entertainment. Patrick Wine brings you Basil Rathbone and the New Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring you good wine, invites you to listen to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his good friend, that master detective, Sherlock Holmes. And as for me, well, I'd like to ask you if you know that one of the favorite wines of American women is Petri California Muscatel. In fact, the whole family likes Petri Muscatel. And you'll certainly know why if you'll just pour yourself a glass. Why, that Petri Muscatel is wonderful just to look at. It's the color of sheer gold. And raise that glass of Petri Muscatel to your lips. Oh, boy, what a wine. Look, did you ever walk through a vineyard early in the morning? You know, when the dew is still clinging to the grapes? And did you taste one of those luscious, plump Muscat grapes? Then you'll know what to expect the first time you taste Petri Muscatel. Petri Muscatel brings you that same wonderful Muscat flavor. Right from the heart of the grape. Try serving Petri Muscatel after dinner by itself or with fruit or nuts. It's the perfect after-dinner wine. And serve it proudly because five letters, P-E-T-R-I, spell the proudest name in the history of American wine. And now I'm sure our good friend Dr. Watson is ready for us. Let's go in and join. Come in, come in. Oh, there you are, Mr. Bartell. Good evening, Doctor. Are you all ready with tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure? I'm ready, if you are, my boy. How would you like to hear a story that took place in Italy? In Italy? <laughs> Say, you and the great Sherlock Holmes certainly did get around. What took you there, Doctor? We'd gone to Rome to investigate the sudden death of Cardinal Tosca. An inquiry, which I may tell you, Mr. Bartell, was carried out by Holmes at the express desire of His Holiness the Pope. Say, Doctor, that sounds like a wonderful... Uh, No, no, Mr. Bartell, that's a story that I'm afraid I can never tell you. 
However, tonight's adventure took place a few days after Holmes had brought his case to a satisfactory, though somewhat terrifying, conclusion. I suggested to the great man that a short holiday would be good for us before returning to England. And so we spent some happy days browsing among the architectural treasures of old Rome, the Colosseum, the Baths of Caracalla, the Forum, the wonderful ruins on the Palatine Hill. I couldn't drag Holmes away from them, Mr. Bartell. And at night time, he was able to indulge to his heart's content his great love of music. Finally, it was two nights before we were to sail for England, I remember. We went to the opera house to hear the famous Italian soprano Gina Valchese singing Verdi's immortal La Traviata. I can hear that exquisite voice now, Mr. Bartell, as Holmes and I, seated in a box, listened spellbound to the great Valchese singing her last act aria. What a magnificent voice. Yes, it is, Holmes. A pity, though, that most opera stars who sing like nightingales seem to have the figures of unusually well-fed pouter pigeons. Poor woman, she must weigh at least 20 stone. Nevertheless, you mustn't refer to her as poor, my dear chap, despite her somewhat unfortunate proportions. Signora Gilda Valchese remains one of the greatest and wealthiest of contemporary sopranos. Listen to the applause. Yes, undoubtedly she'll sing an encore. We might as well go back to her dressing room now. The opera's almost over. Why are we going back to her dressing room? Because during the last intermission, I received a note from her requesting my attendance. Oh, what did the note say? Well, it seems that the lady is not too popular with certain members of the opera company. Uh, well, I've no wish to become entangled in any opera clash of temperaments. I, I confess I find myself not a little interested in meeting the lady. Shh, shh. She's going to sing a, an encore. <laughs> Dressing. Certainly, my dear fellow. A summons from Gina Valkyrie is no more to be disobeyed than a royal command. I must ask you, gentlemen, not to stand outside La Valkyrie's dressing room. We permit no strangers, particularly foreigners. But the signora has requested our presence. Uh, <clears throat> may I ask who you are? Permit me to introduce myself, gentlemen. I am Armando Bellini, Inspector of Police. And my name is Holmes, Sherlock Holmes, and this is my friend, Dr. Watson. Sherlock Holmes? Ah, oh, but this is a great honor. Uh, allow me to apologize. Here in the Opera House, we have to be so careful, you understand, uh, of intrigues. There are so many. But the uh, Senor Holmes and his friend, I am so happy to meet you both. At headquarters, I hear wonderful reports of your work in the Cardinal Tosca affair. I should prefer not to mention that unfortunate matter, Inspector, except under conditions of extreme privacy. Oh, quite so. And behind the scenes at the opera is not the most secluded place. Uh, please to forgive me. You are waiting Silla Valchese. Yes. Well, she is still on the stage. Uh, she has requested your presence, you say, Senor Holmes? Uh, yes, I trust the meeting is to be a social, uh, not a professional one. We're sailing for England in a couple of days. And you came to hear the great Varchese singer before you left. Most understandable. A magnificent voice, Inspector. Mm, yes, Doctor. And still, well, I am a devout opera lover myself. 
Yet I cannot help but feel it's a futilizer with those who can add the youth and beauty to a great voice. <laughs> That's true. True, senor. But where can you find such a combination? I have found it. Here in the opera, there is a girl. She is my protege. Someday, I hope she will be my wife. At the moment, she is only understudying La Varchese. If she should ever get the opportunity of singing in her place, then a new star will be born. Oh, really? What's her name? Lisa Bordoni. She has but recently come to Rome from Milano, where she was studied with the great Alfiera. Confidentially, I think that La Varchese is so jealous of her that... Oh, here is Lisa now. And that is her brother with her. Uh, Lisa Caramia, a uh, pleasure to join us. I... George, what a beautiful girl. What is it, Armando? Uh, permit me to present uh, the famous English detective, Senior Sherlock Holmes, and his friend, Dr. Watson. How do you do? How do you do, young lady? Glad to meet you both. This is my brother, Wally. How do you do? I certainly feel that I know a lot about you two gentlemen. No, I can't tell you how many times I've read your stories, Dr. Watson. Indeed, sir. I'm very flattered. Lisa Caramia. Uh, we were just saying that in youth and beauty, combined with the voice, lies our future hope in the opera. Your day will come, Lisa Mia. Your day will come soon. I hope you're right, Armando. But as long as I understudy Gina Valchese, I don't see when I'll get my chance. <laughs> <laughs> She's disgustingly healthy. If you'll pardon my saying so, young lady. Though your name is Bordoni, you and your brother don't sound in the least Italian. Well, we're not, Mr. Holmes. We're American. But to succeed in Italian opera, my sister has found that an Italian name is essential. So the Borden family became the Bordonis. In, in any case, my real name is Lizzie Borden. Oh, really? I'm sure you, Mr. Holmes, as a famous detective, <laughs> will see that I had to change my name. Yes, I can well understand. Uh, who was Lizzie Borden? Uh, well, my dear fellow, one of the greatest and uh, most successful of murderesses who wielded an axe with incredible dexterity. I've often regretted that I was in Tibet instead of America at the time of that particular case. <laughs> Senor Holmes, I do not understand you Anglo-Saxons. To me, a murderess is a murderess. Now, when you speak of a greatness in women, I feel... Oh, but here comes Gina Valchese now. I, I will introduce you. How many times, but I tell you a lot, no one to stand outside my dressing room. Send them away. La Valchese is a tired. Uh, but you wish to see Senor Sherlock Holmes, the famous detective. He has a come here in answer to your request. Please, uh, permit me to present him, and also his friend, uh, Dr. Watts. Uh, how do you do, Senor? I'm greatly honored to meet you, uh, Senor Valchese. And now, perhaps, if we may come into your dressing room and confer privately. Perdido. What would La Valchese have to say to a detective? A minion of the police. A zero. Go away, all of you. <laughs> well, what do you think of that? She slammed the door in my face. <laughs> Waiter. Uh, si, senor. Uh, bring me some more coffee, please. Si, senor. Ah, the very pleasant dining here on the hotel terrace, I must confess. Mm, very. Amazingly warm, considering yesterday's snow. Yes, it is. Uh, later, I suggest we pay another visit to the opera and hear La Valchese sing Gildan Rigoletto. Upon my soul, Holmes, it seems to me that you're astonishingly casual after the way that woman insulted you last night, <laughs> slamming the door in your face as if you were a tradesman. Shocking. <laughs> what would you have me do, my dear chap? Force my way into a into a room, demand an apology, or have my friend challenge her to a duel in order to avenge my honor? Oh, don't try to be funny, Holmes. You know perfectly well what I mean. The lady asks you to come and see her, and when you do, she pretends she's never heard of you. And here it is nearly 24 hours later, and you've done absolutely nothing about it. <laughs> oh, dear old Watson. 
You're really quite upset over the affair, aren't you? Well, if it'll make you any happier, let me tell you, uh, I have done something about it. Mm, I'm delighted to hear it. What? This morning, I was able to obtain a specimen of Ravalcase's handwriting from an autographed picture in the possession of Inspector Bellini. I compared the writing with that on the note and I, uh, that I received in the box last night. It was, the, it was the same, proving that the message I received was authentic. Oh, in that case, why did she snub you like that? Well, something was to frighten her, I suppose. Something or someone who was standing at the dressing room door with us. Well, who was there? Inspector Bellini, Lisa Bordoni, and her brother. Precisely, my dear fellow. Therefore, we may assume that La Valchese had no wish to recognize me in their presence. But if you think that, Holmes, why haven't you been in touch with her today? She may be in some dreadful danger. Oh, if she is... She can find me easily enough. Meanwhile, I'm perfectly happy to be left alone. The last few weeks have been sufficiently strenuous without becoming involved in some fresh case. On my soul, Holmes, you must be tired. I've never known you to be so indifferent to a case. Great Scott. What is it, Watson? Look, walking towards us, it's Signora Valchese herself. Oh, and judging from the lady's expression, she seems to be in some distress. Good evening, Signora. Signora Holmes, I must speak Please to you. Please sit down, aren't you? This is my colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do? First, I must apologize for my behavior last night. It would have been dangerous if Abel Casey had acknowledged that she had to communicate with you. That's just what my friend assumed, now, madam. Please speak quite freely now, Signora. Uh, no one can overhear us. Signor Holmes, I am being persecuted. My life is in a danger. You must save me. You've been threatened. See, si. see, si, Signor. And now today, tragedy has struck. My sister, my beloved Bella, uh -huh. lies near death from a murderous attack. An attack that was immense for me. Good Lord, what happened, madam? If you will please to keep it quiet, a little Albert Kizzy speak will I learn the weapon. Oh, I, I was, I'm so sorry, madam. This morning, this morning, I always myself take my dog for a walk. But this morning, I feel the trace of a cold. I ask my sister to take the dog for a walk. Please do understand that my sister is a very much like me appearance. Yes, I understand, signora. Uh, please continue. She walk alone in the park. From nowhere, a horseman come gallop and ride her dog. These are much I learned from the traces in the snow when I worry and go to find her. Was she able to tell you who the horseman was? No. She cannot speak, senor. They say at the hospital that her skull is a fracture, that she may not live. Senor Holmes, that attack, it was meant for me. You must protect me. Senora, I shall do everything in my oh. power to... No! No, no, no! What's wrong, madam? Somewhere there is a cat. I know it. Make it go away! It must be your imagination. Mira, I am sorry to make such a scene, but I cannot bear to be near a cat. I cannot tell you what it do to me. It, it may sound a no, foolish no. weakness. No, no, not at all, Signora. Such a condition is quite common. In fact, I believe medical science has given it a name. It's known as ilorophobia. Oh, whatever it is called. It makes me ill. I must go to my room. I, I cannot stand much more. My poor sister. I imagine with your sister at death's door, Signora, you will not sing tonight. Signor Holmes, I love her very much. But even a sister is only a sister. My art is my life. In an hour, Signor, I sing Gilda in a rigoletto. You will attend the performance. And afterward, you will tell a love Casey how she may trap this devil who seek to destroy her.
Holmes, it's after 9.30. We've missed quite a lot of the opera. It's hardly worth going to our box now. It's just been time to hear La Dalcasia sing the incomparable Caronomi. Come on, old fellow. Let's slip in quietly as we can. Seems to me we should have been in our box from the beginning of the performance. She asked you to keep an eye on her, you That's know. true, old chap. But it occurred to me that an attack on her during the performance was unlikely and that our time might be more profitably spent making inquiries at the writing academy. But you drew a blank. We found no trace of that mysterious writer. No, but at least we tried. Here we are. Let's stand at the back of the theater for a few minutes. Scott. That isn't our case of singing. It's the understudy, Bellini's protege, the American girl, Lisa Bordoni. What a beautiful voice. A light one, but with a beautiful, wonderful range. Look here, we, we've no time to listen to her now. We must go to the Valcase's dressing room at once. We know she left to the theater tonight with the intention of singing. I'm very much afraid there's devil's work afoot, Watson. she answer? Shh. Listen. There are cats inside our dressing room. Come on, Watson. Locked. Put your shoulder to it. Come on, help me. Watson, come on. Once more. Come on, again. Now, Watson, here. Frank Scott, she's unconscious, Watson. See what you can do for her. She must have fainted with fright. Yes, some fiend, knowing her deadly fear of cats, has locked her in here with half a dozen of them. Shoot, shoot, off me. Shoot. Her eyes are opening, Holmes. She's coming too. Signora Valchese. Her lips are moving. She's trying to speak. Signora Valchese, tell me, who did this to you? Uh, 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 Great heavens! Uh, her voice is gone. I've known many vicious crimes in my lifetime, Watson, but to murder a voice, a voice that was one of the treasures of the world, is as vile a killing as I've ever encountered. <laughs> Dr. Watson will tell you the rest of his story in just a few seconds. And right now would be a wonderful time to try a glass of Petri California Port. In the evening after dinner, well, any time you're taking things easy, is the perfect time for Petri Port. Petri Port is a rich red wine, the kind of wine you like to sip slowly, so you won't miss a drop of its truly fine flavor. I'm not kidding when I say you owe it to yourself and your family. Try Petri Port. In fact, you should try Petri Port and Petri Muscatel. So don't buy one, buy two. Buy both Port and Muscatel. Just be sure you get Petri, because Petri wine is always good wine. Well, Dr. Watson, so the great opera singer lost her voice when someone locked her in a room full of cats, huh? Uh, what did you and Sherlock Holmes do? We took Signor Valchese back to her hotel at once, and so it was properly taken care of. How did the understudy, uh, Lisa Bordoni, make out, Doctor? Well, the tragedy that overtook Lark Valchese gave her her great chance. She received a tremendous ovation at the close of the performance, and it seemed certain that another star had been born. But let me tell you the story just as it happened, Mr. Bartell. A little later that night, Holmes and I were once again standing on the balcony of our hotel, watching a crowd of people that had assembled in the courtyard. You see that crowd, Watson? Yes, I suppose they've come here to acclaim the new star. No, 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 my dear fellow, that crowd isn't planning a celebration. Look at them and listen to their angry murmuring. I'm afraid there's going to be trouble. I don't like the look of it. Hello, here comes Lisa Bordoni's brother, Wally. What's wrong, sir? Mr. Holmes, 
Mr. Holmes, you've got to do something. What's happened? Well, somehow the story about the cats in La Valchese's dressing room has spread. The crowd outside are saying that my sister, Lisa, planned the whole thing so that she could sing Valchese's part in the opera tonight. Where's your sister now? In a room at the hotel here. I managed to get her away from the crowd, and I locked her in. But that mob, I'm frightened for her. Ah, here comes the official representative of law and order, Inspector Bellini. Wally, Wally, where is Lisa? I was just telling Mr. Holmes that I'd locked her in a room. Now that crowd's in a dangerous mood, Bellini. What precautions are you taking? I have thrown a cordon of police around the hotel. The mob is getting out of our hand, and Lisa must be protected. As a matter of fact, the situation is even worse than the crowd knows. I have just been told that Lavalcase's twin sister, Bella, died in the hospital tonight. That adds a murder charge. If the crowd knew about that, I'd tremble to think what might happen. Did you say that, uh, Lavalcase's sister was a twin, Inspector? See, si, Senor Holmes. She was a her exact double in everything but voice. Indeed, how very illuminating. If you don't mind, I should like to have a few words in private with my friend, Dr. Watson. Excuse us for a moment, please. What do you make of it, Holmes? What are you, old chap? Well, the American girl seemed very charming and all that, but she might have done it. It had to be either her, her brother, or the inspector himself. They all had a motive for wanting La Valchese to lose her voice. But I must say I can't understand the motive behind the murder of her twin sister. I think I can give you the answer to that question in a very few minutes. But meanwhile, the mob gets uglier and uglier. The only way to avert violence, Watson, is to give them quick proof and a certainty of conviction. I must go back to Bellini and the young American. I want to keep an eye on them. Meanwhile, I want you to slip out and uh, get me a cat. Cat? What the for? You'll find out soon enough. But Holmes, what kind of a cat? Oh, any kind, but hurry. a good kitty. Here, here. Here. What you do in a hotel kitchen, senor? Oh, you want to play with my cat? Oh, is he your cat? Charming little fellow. Uh, I'd like to borrow him for a little while. Oh, why you want to borrow my cat? Oh, I thought I'd take him up to my hotel room and have a little game with him. Uh, I've got some old socks he can play with. Deal. The English, they are a crazy race. My cat does not like to play with the old socks. Look here. Here's 50 lira for you. Oh, no, no, no. I tell you, my cat does not like to play with old socks. My cat will stay here, and you can keep her your money. I'll give you 100 lira. Uh, so, th that you may stuff my cat full of old socks? No, no. Give me back my cat. Oh, the give place me... is with you. You'll get it back later. Here, stop him. Stop him. The crazy Englishman is stealing my cat. Stop cat for you, Holmes, but I wish you'd tell me what we're doing outside Valcase's door with it. I'm going to try an experiment. We open her bedroom door softly, so slip the cat in, so, and close the door. Holmes, man, what the blazes do you think you're doing? You'll drive her mad. I think not. Listen, and watch through the keyhole if you can. Holmes, her voice. It's come back. Yes, I thought it might. I can see her through the keyhole. She's picking the cat up by the scruff of its neck. She's walking toward the balcony. Yes, and towards the crowds down below. An excellent opportunity for a public confession. Come on. Stella, 
What do you want? I charge you with the murder of your sister, the great singer, Valkese. It was a magnificent, Senor Holmes, a magnificent. The way you forced her to confess on the balcony in a full sight of the map. And so you saved Lisa. I can't thank you enough, Mr. Holmes. Nor can I. Though I still don't see how you guessed. She looked so much like her sister that she fooled even me, her understudy. Yes, it was an extremely cunning plot, Miss Bordone. The real Valchese sent me that note last night. When I met her at the dressing room door, she denied having sent for me because the few were there. I suppose that she suspect the one of us. Oh, yes, obviously. And later, no doubt, she told her twin sister, Bella, about having sent me the message and also announced her intention of coming to see me. Bella saw her opportunity, murdered La Valchese, assumed her identity, and to give added realism to her role, followed through with her sister's plan by coming to see me today. But I still don't understand this business, Mr. Holmes. Why did the twin sister lock herself in her dressing room and fill it with cats? What did it accomplish? It gave me the chance to see. Yes, that's true. Which is why Watson felt certain the criminal must be you, your brother, or Signor Bellini. But you see, the episode with the cats accomplished one other thing. It made it plausible that the great Valchese should never sing again. To whose advantage would that be? An imposter, of course. In the person of a twin sister who could not sing and who must surely end her sister's great will. Exactly, my dear fellow. As soon as I knew they were twin sisters and everything but voice, it became more than a possibility... It became probability, but it had to be tested. That's why I sent for the cat, Watson. When the sister, thinking herself unobserved, exhibited no terror for cats, well, it became a certainty. Upon my soul, Holmes, this is as fantastic a plot as ever we've met. A diabolical plan, Watson. And I'm only thankful, Miss Bordoni, that we were able to expose it before the crowd reached you tonight. I don't know what I can ever do to repay you, Mr. Holmes. Oh, that'd be hard, my dear. A box of cotton garden for your London debut would be, uh, well, an ample repayment. And from what I hear of your reception in Rigoletto tonight, I shan't have to wait very long for that reward, eh? It's a promise, Mr. Holmes. <laughs> Thank you. Come in. Oh, excuse me, please. All over the hotel are looking for my cat. I say to myself, there he is. He's stealing my cat. Inspector Bellino, you arrest him. He tried to bribe him. He ran away with that and fill him full of old English socks. Oh, does he be a <laughs> Doctor, I'd sure like to have a picture of you running away with that fellow's cat under your arm. <laughs> you, a cat stealer. It's not a bit funny, Mr. Bartell. <laughs> Believe me, it was most embarrassing. I know. But it was all for a good cause, and I think you were splendid about the whole thing. Uh, incidentally, how'd you happen to look for a cat in the hotel kitchen? Oh, there's usually one round the back door of a kitchen. Haven't you ever wandered? Uh, well, uh, backstage in a hotel? Fascinating. Oh, of course I have, but, uh, I've never been in a hotel kitchen. Then where were you? In the wine cellar. I should have known. Yes, Doctor, I like to look at bottles of Petri wine, because when I see a Petri wine, I know I'm looking at a good wine. And Petri wine is good because of the Petri family. The Petri family first started making fine wine before the beginning of this century, generations ago. Since then, winemaking has been their heritage, handed on down from father to son. So you can take it for granted that the Petri family really knows how to turn luscious, sun-ripened grapes into clear, fragrant, delicious wine. 
And you can take it for granted, too, that the name Petri on a bottle of wine is more than a, a trademark. It's a personal assurance of the Petri family that every drop of wine in that bottle is good wine. You just can't go wrong with Petri wine because Petri took time to bring you good wine. Well, Dr. Watson, what story are you planning to tell us next week? Next week, Mr. Bartell, I'm going to tell you a strange adventure that Holmes and I had many, many years ago. It concerns a young girl, the mutilation of her doll, and the tragedy that overtook a certain wise woman from the mountains. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of Black Peter. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer, and tonight, Dr. Watson was played by Mr. Eric Snowden, who substituted for Mr. Nigel Bruce. Mr. Bruce is scheduled to return to the program next week. Company of San Francisco, California, invites you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is Harry Bartell saying good night for the Petri family. For a solid hour of exciting mystery dramas, listen every Monday on most of these same stations at 8 o'clock to Michael Shane, followed immediately by Sherlock Holmes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Petri Wine brings you Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce in the new adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The Petri family, the family that took time to bring good wine, invite you to spend the next half hour listening to Dr. Watson tell us another exciting adventure he shared with his old friend at Master Detective Sherlock Holmes. And I'd like to tell you about something you ought to share with your family before dinner. And that's Petri California Sherry. Because Petri Sherry can make that time before dinner uh, a high spot in your day. That Petri Sherry is a truly fine wine. Its color is a deep amber, rich and inviting. And the wine is wonderfully smooth and full-bodied. Flavor? Just swell. Honestly, I mean it when I say the best beginning a good meal ever had is a glass of Petri Sherry. 
Oh, and look, if some of your family like their sherry dry, you know, not sweet, they'll really like Petri Pale Dry Sherry. So to be sure you please everyone, don't buy one, buy two. Buy the regular Petri Sherry and Petri Pale Dry Sherry. And be sure you look for those letters P-E-T-R-I. Because they spell the proudest name in the history of American wines. Petri. And now I know our good friend Dr. Watson's expecting us. Let's go in and join him. Good evening, Doctor. Uh, good evening, Mr. Bardo. Say, how are you feeling, Doctor? All over that attack of flu you had? I'm feeling very much better, thank you, my boy. I'm still a little weak. <laughs> we old fossils take much longer to get over that sort of thing than you young fellows. Well, you take good care of yourself, Doctor. You've got a lot of friends, you know. Oh, I'm very glad to hear that. Thank you, Mr. Bartell. And now settle yourself down and I'll get on with tonight's new Sherlock Holmes adventure. Where did it take place? You may not be familiar with the names of Jersey, Guernsey, Alderney, and Sark, but those are the four principal islands that make up the group known as the Channel Islands. Oh, yes, Doctor, I have heard of them. Uh, somewhere in the English Channel, aren't they? Between the southern coast of England and the northern coast of France? That's quite right, my boy, though I very much doubt if you ever heard of the tiny island on which this story happened. It was the island of Garth, a minute but self-contained spot with a population of just under a thousand inhabitants subsisting, and from what I saw of the island in those days, subsisting very well on its dairy products. Was it under the rule of the British government, Doctor? No, Mr. Bartell, not exactly. You see, the island belonged to a family by the name of Horn. The head of the family, who was known as the Seigneur of Garth, was an independent ruler owing nominal allegiance to the King of England. That allegiance was expressed by one of those traditional ceremonies in which the Seigneur annually presented one pound of freshly churned butter to a representative of the British crown. Times haven't changed much, have they, Doctor? Pound of butter is still worth a king's ransom. <laughs> but uh, tell me, what were you and the great Sherlock Holmes doing on the island of Garth? Well, I just come into that, my boy, if you'll give me a minute. It was in the summer of 1896 when, to my utter amazement, Holmes informed me that we were going to the island of Garth as the official representatives of the British crown to accept the annual presentation of butter. At the time, I must confess, I couldn't see why Holmes wanted to accept such a ridiculous mission. It was only as we approached the island in a small fishing boat that he told me a great deal more was at stake than a pound of butter. Unfortunately, Mr. Bartell, I'm not much of a sailor, and as the wind was blowing hard and the sea racing, I'm afraid I wasn't a very intelligent companion. Cheer up, Watson. We'll soon be there. I hope so. I feel wretched, Holmes. I must say, the whole trip seems utterly ridiculous to me. Plunging and bobbing about in a little boat in a raging <laughs> torrent just because somebody wants to give somebody else part of butter. Here, old Watson, you don't really think our mission is too innocuous, do you? Then why are we going to the island of Garth? We're going to the island of Garth at the express wish of its present ruler, Martha Horn. Martha Horn? I never heard of her. Extremely spirited old lady. And the only woman who dared tell a certain resident of Windsor Castle that she looked devilishly dowdy for an empress. Great Scott, you mean that I she... mean, uh, Watson, that uh, Martha Horn's behests are not lightly regarded. Obviously, yeah. she wishes to see me urgently. 
Also, my brother Mycroft put pressure on me. He reminded me that a, a visit to Garth might be closely allied to this emerald tie pin I wear. Of course, you recall the origin of this pin. Well, naturally, that idiot Windsor Castle gave it to you after our little trouble last year over those stolen plans for the Bruce Partington submarine. Exactly, my dear fellow. But remember that uh, the spy Oberstein had put those plans up for auction in all the naval centers of Europe. Some hint of their nature must have leaked out. It's even possible that other powers may be able by now to duplicate the pride of our submarine fleet. And whoever controls the channel, Watson, controls England. Well, they're dropping anchor, and yet we're still a quarter of a mile out from the island. Why, why do you think they're doing that? Here comes the skipper. He'll tell us. Here is as close to the island as we may approach, monsieur. We have already sent signals. A smaller boat is putting out for you. It will be here in a little while. Thank you. A smaller boat? Good Lord. Holmes, you were hinting at the naval significance of the island of Garth. Yes, old chap, I was. Well, what good would it be as a port if even a small boat like this can only come within half a mile of it? For a surface vessel, no, but we were speaking of submarines. Garth, I learned from the encyclopedia, boasts a magnificent interior cavern accessible only through underwater channels. Great Scott, an ideal natural harbor and dry dock for a submarine fleet. Precisely, and on the control of the island of Garth, Watson may well rest the fate of the British Isles. Now, old chap... Perhaps you see why Mycroft was so anxious for us to collect a pound of butter. Holmes, doesn't it seem wonderful to, to be on land again? First the fishy smack, and then that wretched little rowing boat. Then the bucket swinging us up the, the face of the cliff. <laughs> Now at last I can stretch my legs. Oh, my steady, old chap, steady, steady. Let me give you your hand. You'll soon get your land legs back again. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a bit shaky, I must confess. Hello? Who's that couple walking towards us? Our welcoming committee, no doubt. How do you do? Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Permit me to present myself. I'm Dr. Hugo Oberwald. How do you do, sir? How do you do, doctor? And this is Mrs. Reeves, the housekeeper at Horn Castle, where you will be staying. How do you do? How do you do, Mrs. Reeves? Welcome to the island of Garth, gentlemen. We were deputed to come and greet you. you back to the castle. We can walk there across the clifftops. It isn't very far. Ah, splendid. I think my friend will appreciate traveling on terra firma once again. <laughs> Dear me, Herr Doctor, you are not a good sailor, perhaps? No, perhaps about it, sir. I had a miserable crossing. I am sorry to hear it. I trust your short stay at the castle will be some recompense for the journey. The formal presentation of the butter will take place tonight. There will be no reason why you gentlemen cannot return to the mainland tomorrow. Oh, thank you, Mrs. Reeves, but it's more than likely that we shall stay on for a few days. Oh, it will be quite unnecessary. I'm afraid that is a matter for Mrs. Horn and ourselves to decide. I'm afraid that Mrs. Horn is incapable of making any further decisions. Oh, what do you mean, madam? Uh, obviously, you have not heard, but the news is slow in reaching the mainland. Uh, Mrs. Horn died yesterday. Died? Good Lord, a natural death, I suppose. But, of course... I attended her myself, a simple case of heart failure. The poor lady died in her sleep. Shall we begin our walk to the castle, I joke, Holmes, this changes things. You suppose it was a natural death? I suppose nothing, old fellow. But in almost 20 years of practice, I can recall precisely three clients, actual or potential, who died natural deaths. Come on, let's follow them. Mr. Shearlock. 
Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Watson. This is Mr. Christopher Horn, grandson of Mrs. Horn and the new ruler of Garth. How do you do? Hello. How do you do, sir? It's very nice of you fellows to come over here. Too bad you had to arrive just as the poor old gal kicked the bucket, though. Allow me to uh, offer my condolences on your grandmother's death, sir. Yes, yes, indeed, Mr. Horn. Thank you. It was a ghastly business. I found her, Christopher. you know. Christopher. Frightful sight. There was an awful, an awful silly grin on the old dear's face and... Don't you think it would be more to the point if you were to explain the ceremony in connection with tonight's presentation? <laughs> You're right, Reeve. Reeve is a terrible tyrant, but she is efficient. Don't know what I'd do without her. Always ran everything for poor old Granny. Why, when the old girl was ill, she... Uh, Christopher, I gave you a schedule of the ceremonies this morning. What did you do with it? Dash it, Reeve, I don't know. Must have missed it. And I have my own copy in the study. <laughs> I swear I don't know what I'd do without you. Excuse us a moment, gentlemen. I'll be back in a jiffy. Holmes, what in thunder is going on here? That boy's completely under the thumb of Mrs. Reeves. He was trying to tell us something, but that frightful woman kept changing the subject. He spoke of an awful, silly grin on the dead woman's face. Didn't that suggest something to you? Right, Joe, that's one of the characteristic symptoms of strychnine poison. Exactly, old fellow. And perhaps he was going on to mention the equally characteristic arching of the body. We've got to get Mr. Horn to ourselves for a little while, and you've got to examine the body of the dead woman. And it's going to be difficult. Hmm. Is that a balcony outside the window? Yes, it is. Come along. Let's see what it leads to. The balcony seems to lead right round this particular mm. wing of the castle. Must have served as a lookout in the olden days. <sighs> I wish the balcony were a little wider. Must be a sheer drop of a couple of hundred feet down to the rocks below. Yeah. Hello. These must be the windows of the room adjoining the one we just came out of. Let's go a little closer, shall we? We may be able to find out something. Can you see anything? Yes. They're in there. Mrs. Reeves and the boy. She's leaving the room. Now's our opportunity. I'll tap on the window. He seems... He's coming to open it. What are you two doing out there? Admiring the view? Yes, my boy. It's, it's quite beautiful. Uh, Mr. Horn. Yes, Mr. Holmes. I was a great admirer of your grandmother. And I was interested in what you were telling me of her death. She had a... a grin on her face, you said. Yes. It was... it was awful. Her... her body was all hunched up like... like a croquet hoop. Really? Of course, uh, Dr. Oberwald said it was perfectly all right, but I must say it seemed dashed odd to me. Yes, it was far from all right, I, I assure you. And you started to say something else. What was it? Let me see. You said, uh, when she was ill... Oh, yes, that was a silly business. When she was ill, she thought she was in danger from poisoning, so she, she made Mrs. Reeves taste all her food and drink. Did she really? Uh, uh, where is your grandmother's body now? In the West Wing. The funeral's to be tomorrow morning. I see. Uh, where did Mrs. Reeves go? Well, I'm here on the balcony behind you, gentlemen, listening to your conversation with the greatest interest. Christopher, let me warn you. These men are the emissaries of the British government. They would stop at nothing to take the island over. These men are trying to influence you against me, against Terevi, who has looked after you ever since you were born, and who tries to protect you now that your grandmother has gone and you are alone. Yes, I know, Reevy, but after all... That is your pride as the head of the Horn family, the Seigneur of Garth, the Garth that I am trying to save for you. This man is completely unscrupulous. He was about to accuse me of murder. 
Weren't you, Mr. Sherlock Holmes? The thought had occurred to me, Mrs. Reeves. Of course it had, because you wished to poison Christopher's mind against me. Well, Mr. Holmes, we have no police on the island of Garth. Our only law is the word of the seigneur, and Christopher now holds that title. Seigneur, what do you say? Will you allow an Englishman to blind you by accusing me of being a murderess? Mr. Holmes? Dr. Watson? I shall meet you at the ceremony tonight. Beyond that, I... I don't care to speak to you again. Good day. A shame to spoil your plans, isn't it, Mr. Holmes? <laughs> well, pardon the soul. Magnificent, Watson. Magnificent! A murderess who seeks to defeat me by accusing herself. Superb! It's a new game, my dear fellow. And one that must be played to a finish. <laughs> We'll hear the rest of Dr. Watson's story in just a second, so I'm just going to remind you that right now is one time you'd really enjoy a glass of Petri California Port. You couldn't ask for a more delicious wine. Petri Port, with its deep, rich red color and its heart of the great flavor, is one of America's all-time favorite wines. Petri Port is wonderful after dinner and perfect to serve when company comes. Try it. But just remember that when you want the kind of port I'm talking about, You've got to make sure it's Petri Port, because all Petri wines are good wines. Dr. Watson, this is certainly an unusual story you're telling us tonight. Uh, what happened after Mrs. Reeves left you and Sherlock Holmes standing on the balcony? We retired to our rooms and had a quiet and lonely lunch. Though the great man said little, I could see that he was deeply excited and that his keen brain was evolving some plan that would enable us to solve the mystery of Mrs. Horn's death. After lunch... He started to descend the stairs leading to the main hall of Garth Castle. As we did so, Holmes said... Uh, Watson, we're in no danger ourselves. Mrs. Reeves knows that we are here as emissaries of the British government. Yes, and if we didn't return with the butter within a few days, there'd be a British dreadnought here looking for us. However, I am in danger of one of my worst defeats. My professional pride is piqued. If only I could... Ah, uh, Watson. Yes, Holmes? If at any time today I slip you a note, don't read it at once, but... Here comes Mrs. Reeves. Uh, precisely, Watson, I entirely agree. If I do not make the test on Mrs. Horn's body within 24 hours of her death, it will be useless. I must make it by 3 o'clock this afternoon. Mr. Holmes. Oh. oh, yes, Mrs. Reeves. I want to apologize for my behavior before lunch. I was intolerably rude. Oh, please, no. Whatever my quarrels may be with British politics, I at least owe to both of you the dues of hospitality. Oh, that's very gracious of you, Mrs. Reeves. Uh, I wonder, uh, would your hospitality also include a, a personally conducted tour of the subterranean caverns for which this island has become internationally famous? Would they really interest you? Well, I'm afraid that my friend and I won't have the time Oh, yes, not at all, Watson, not at all. We have plenty of time. Well, as long as we're back here by three o'clock. I'm sure Dr. Oberwald would be delighted to join us. He has made quite a study of the unique rock formation. Oh, that's splendid. Um, it should prove a most interesting excursion. But, Holmes, why do we want to go stomping around a lot of damp and smelly caves? Only exercise will do us good, old fellow. Uh, uh, will you lead the way, Mrs. Reeves? And please remember that it's most important that I return I here... I remember, Mr. Holmes. You must be back here by three o'clock. <laughs> Oh, 
little further, Mr. Holmes, and we shall reach the giant cavern. Ah. Most interesting. Uh, Watson and Dr. Oberwald seem to have lagged behind us somewhat. They will be here in a moment. There. This is the giant cavern. Ah. Magnificent. Truly a miracle of nature. It's a natural submarine dry dock hewn out of the rocks. Yes, Mr. Holmes. And in the olden days, only the smugglers who inhabited this island knew the entrance that leads to this cave. The first seigneur of Garth found a cache of untold wealth hidden here. <laughs> Silks, jewels. There are still the remains of some of the finest Calvados brandies stored among oh, these rocks. Indeed. <laughs> An incomparable drink. Would you care for some? It is our custom whenever visitors honor us with their presence to offer them a glass. <laughs> I should be delighted. There is a natural shelf here in the rocks. Perfect hiding place. There you are, Mr. Holmes. And here is a glass. <laughs> this is a rare privilege. I imagine that very few people have been offered it. Only our most distinguished visitors, I assure you. <laughs> this uh, cavern is completely inaccessible from the outer sea, I presume? Completely. Unless, of course, ships could swim under the sea. Which, as you know as well as I, they can, Mrs. Reeves. Even outside the imaginings of Jules Verne. Indeed. Uh, would you care to explore a little deeper? The others will be with us soon. Dr. Oberville, the others seem to be some way ahead of us. Yes, they do, don't they, Doctor? Uh, Holmes? Holmes, where are you? Dear me, I'm afraid we cannot follow them. Uh, what do you mean? The next cavern is already cut off by the rising tide. Great Scott, you mean that they're cut off? I am afraid so. But do not worry here, Doctor. In a few hours, the tide will recede. They are in no danger. Just, uh, shall I say, uh, temporarily marooned. <laughs> Sleepy. I'm so sorry. I'm afraid that we stayed here longer than I intended. I fear that we are cut off by the tides. Cut off by the tides? We're in no danger. In a few hours, we should be able to return. But uh, I'm afraid I cannot get you back at three o'clock, which was the time I promised. Uh, but it's vital. Uh, absolutely vital that I could get back. And so... Sleepy. Please keep talking. I must keep awake. Dr. Gober, I must get to Sherlock Holmes at once. I am sorry here, Doctor. But we are not able to control the forces of nature. We cannot force the water to recede. Your friend is in no danger. No, no, but he's got a most important test that he must make by three o'clock. I am afraid that will be impossible. I've got to do something. I should have come to these blasted caves in the first place. I don't know what on earth I ought to do. By Jove, that note that Holmes gave me, he told me to open it if... Uh, where did I put it? Ah, here it is. A note from Mr. Sherlock Holmes, eh? Vital make medical test. Great Scott, Dr. Overall, it's absolutely necessary for me to come to the castle at once. Indeed. A note from Mr. Sherlock Holmes, and now it is most important that you return to the castle. No, my fine English friend. 
I am afraid I cannot allow you to. Well, I don't know how you propose to stop me, sir. You see this revolver? And do you see this stick? I warn you, Herr Doctor. Oh, no, you don't. <clears throat> I'm sorry you can't hear me, Dr. Overville, but when Sherlock Holmes gives me orders, I carry them out. <laughs> Still trapped by the tide. Well, what, what time is it? Five o'clock. I'm afraid that you'll be a trifle late for your important appointment. What a pity. You deliberately trapped me here. You drugged the brandy and kept me a prisoner. Did I? Now, why should I do that, Mr. Holmes? Because you're greedy of power. That's obvious in your domination of that pleasant, though weak young man who is now Senor of Gath. I'm sure your beliefs would find support in certain ideologies now arising in Germany. You're choice of a German doctor as an accomplice in your plans would support that theory. And what might my plans be? I should say that you're determined to give Garth as a submarine base to Germany. With this island in their power, they could control the channel. Very interesting. And I suppose, as well as being a spy, I'm responsible for Mrs. Horn's murder. You and Dr. Oberwald between you? She was too strong for you. Not to get her out of the way, you probably made subtle attempts on her life at first, the origin of which she did not realize, but uh, which caused her eventually to send for me. My arrival forced your hand, and so you and Dr. Oberwald resorted to the quite unsubtle expedient of, of poisoning her. All pure supposition, Mr. Holmes. The only law on this island is Christopher Horn. Do you suppose he'll believe you? No, I suppose he won't. You've outwitted me, Mrs. Reeves. I walked into your trap just as you intended me to. Then in that case, you may collect your pound of butter tonight and return to the mainland tomorrow. Mrs. Reeves, uh, how much longer do we have to wait for the tide before we can make our way back to the castle? <laughs> we can leave now. We could have left at any time. There's another secret entrance that is above the tide level. I merely had to make you overstay the hour of your test. I could not risk Christopher's seeing definite proof. Come now. I shall lead you back. You fool. Holmes, Holmes, where have you been all this time? Mind that, Watson. Did you open the note? Yes. You followed my instructions? Yes, it was, as you suspected. Thank heaven, old chap. Then now we can hoist her with her own petard. Here she comes. I'm glad to see, gentlemen, that you have assembled here in the seigneur's room. The ceremony of presenting the butter traditionally takes place here. As soon as Christopher arrives, we will explain our customs in this matter. Uh, Dr. Watson, I trust that Herr Oberwald proved an interesting companion on your excursion this afternoon. Yes, it's indeed most interesting. We had a discussion of the relative merits of the walking stick versus the revolver. I think I was able to make my argument fairly convincing. Where is Dr. Oberwaltz now? I imagine he's lying down. He had all the symptoms of impending headache when I, I saw him last. Why are you smiling, Mr. Holmes? What's <laughs> been going on? I'm afraid, Mrs. Reeves, that your plans have misfired rather badly. As soon as Mr. Hall arrives, I expect you will be under arrest for murder and high treason. Christopher would never believe you. Wouldn't I? Mrs. Reeves, you poisoned my grandmother. Christopher, what lies have these men been telling you? You're the one that's been telling me lies. I believed you when you said you'd been tasting the old lady's food. But when Dr. Watson showed me the results of his test this afternoon, it was as clear as daylight. But the tests could prove nothing after 24 hours had passed. 
You said so yourself, Mr. Holmes. A deliberate lie, Mrs. Reeves. I'm afraid that I invented that mythical 24-hour test. I knew that as soon as I mentioned it, you would attempt to prevent my carrying it out. So I was delighted when you fell into my trap. You thought that you were shanghaiing me, whereas in reality I was shanghaiing you. My job is to prove your guilt to the senor. With your dominant presence away from the household, it was easy for Dr. Watson to make his test. You devil! You knew all the time! Oh, of course I did. But I had to deceive you. I'm glad my performance was sufficiently convincing. By the way, Mrs. Reeves, the drug brandy was dreadfully clumsy. You didn't drink it, huh? Well, of course I didn't. But it was very unflattering to me that uh, Mrs. Reeves thought I might. Mrs. Reeves, you realize what this means, don't you? I'm going to ask these gentlemen to take you and Dr. Oberfeld back to the mainland with them tomorrow. And stand trial in a British court? Never! I was born on the island of Garth. I have lived here all my life and I shall die! Abby, what are you up to? Stop! She's going out on the balcony. One day, Garth will belong to Germany. One day, the whole world will belong to Germany. Goodbye, you meddling fool. Goodbye! Great Scott, she's gone. It must be a couple of hundred feet to the rocks below. What a dreadful thing. I still can't believe she was a murderess and... And a traitor. Now, it's shocking. Shabby finished with shabby business. Mr. Horn, I suggest that we make sure Dr. Oberwald does not escape justice. And that we then perform the ritual presentation of the butter. Yes, Mr. Holmes. The island of Garth will still pay tribute to England. And I think it always will. Well, Doctor, that was some story. So Germany didn't get the island of Garth after all. No, Mr. Bartell. In fact, in after years, the island proved to be an invaluable submarine base for England. Say, um, what about the pound of butter? Did Holmes get it? Oh, yes, yes. But why are you so interested in the, in the butter? Are you kidding? In our house, butter is our second most favorite topic of conversation. Your second most favorite? Well, what's your favorite topic of conversation? Remember, you asked me. Petri wine. Oh, as if I didn't know. Doctor, that Petri wine is something to really talk about. You know, the Petri family has been making wine for generations. Why, the art of making fine wine is their heritage. Handed down from father to son, from father to son. Believe me, when it comes to turning luscious, sun-ripened California grapes into fragrant, delicious wine, the Petri family really knows how. And they're proud of their wine, too. That's why the name Petri on a bottle of wine really means something. It's the personal assurance of the Petri family that... Every drop of that wine is good wine. It ought to be, because Petri took time to bring you good wine. Well, Dr. Watson, what new Sherlock Holmes adventure do you have lined up for us next week? Next week, Mr. Bartell, I'm going to tell you a story that took place on the Sussex Downs many, many years ago. It concerns a young girl, a painter in watercolors, and a very wise old lady. I call it The Adventure of the Living Doll. Tonight's Sherlock Holmes adventure was written by Dennis Green and Anthony Boucher and was suggested by an incident in the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle story, The Adventure of the Bruce Pottington Plans. Music is by Dean Fossler. Mr. Rathbone appears through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Mr. Bruce through the courtesy of Universal Pictures, where they are now starring in the Sherlock Holmes series. The Petri Wine Company of San Francisco, California, 
Invite you to tune in again next week, same time, same station. Sherlock Holmes comes to you from our Hollywood studios. This is Harry Bartell saying goodnight for the Petri family. For a solid hour of exciting mystery dramas, listen every Monday on most of these same stations at 8 o'clock to Michael Shane, followed immediately by Sherlock Holmes. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 dollars more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details